after parts of Texas were hit pretty hard by an Arctic freeze, a call went out for plumbers to come and help. And Paul and Diane Mitchell drove like 1,200 miles from Ohio to go down and lend a hand. Now, Paul, you're a retired plumber with years of experience. How did you find out about the need, and, and what made you decide to head down? Well, it all started with uh, a neighbor of mine, and I was just, uh, I'm retired, but I'm still in the business. And um, I was over at his house uh, visiting him, and he said to me, I know, in fact, he called me on the phone on, on a Friday evening, and he says, well, Paul, what are you doing for Texas? I mean, just out of the blue. I mean, just, Paul, what are you doing for Texas? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, he says, they've got a lot of broken pipes down there in Austin. He says, and you've got the skills. And you've got the truck. He says, why don't we go down there? And I just and I thought, well, you just don't drive into the state and say, here I am to help you. You got to have some kind of a some some way to touch base with someone. Right. And uh, to, so I, I knew of Texas, Texas Baptist men uh, up in the Dallas area, but they don't do that kind of work. They do more like Samaritan's Purse. They do the uh, construction type work. And um then shortly after that, I got an email, and Water Mission was stating that they were going to be going to Texas, or they were going to be down in Austin and going to Austin and setting up and helping. And I called my son, Joel, who's an engineer in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I said, hey, Joel. And as soon as I called him, he started laughing hilariously because the Lord had challenged him that morning, that Friday morning, that he wanted to go to Texas and help as well. So within five days, everything fell into place. And um, that that Saturday, that Saturday, we headed out with a trailer with $5,000 of equipment and uh, headed to Texas uh, for two weeks. So what did you find when you got there? It was, it was very interesting. It was totally different than when, than when you think of a normal disaster. When you, when you think of a normal disaster, you think of driving into a neighborhood and your eyes immediately tell you, oh, this is horrible. This is a disaster. Whereas this time you drove into neighborhoods and they looked beautiful and they looked – everything was in order. The disaster was inside the home. It wasn't outside so you couldn't tell who had water, who didn't. Maybe a whole neighborhood was waterless, and um, and your your object was to, you know, go to the homes where you had uh, appointments, where you had called ahead and they were expecting you, and then just to begin to find out how bad is this. Let's turn the water on. Let's see what's spraying, what's leaking. Uh, if there's ceilings down or walls that are blown out, let's find that out first. And that's an obvious thing. And then there were times where. Nothing had uh, – there was water was still leaking, but it wasn't. You had to turn the water on and just let it run until it either came out of the siding outside the house or it came flowing out from underneath the baseboard. And uh, it was just a matter of doing one thing at a time, take that, fix that, turn it back on again, check it again, check it again, check it again, until you had a house that was totally dry and they had their water back on and you could go to the next job. So you don't hear about things like this, say, in, in, in Minnesota or Ohio or Illinois. Why did it hit Texas so hard? They were not prepared for it. And everybody down there says, well, it just never freezes in Texas. It just never freezes in Texas. And it was a double whammy because it froze and the power went out. If the power would have stayed on, they could have kept heat in their homes. The impact wouldn't have been as severe. 
we did find out in going under a number of uh, homes that were up off the ground on piers, like mobile homes or homes that were on piers, uh, that they had had problems in the past because what they did was when pipes burst, they just cut them out, left them on the ground, and put new pipes in. So we were crawling over old pipes, plastic pipes, metal pipes, that kind of stuff that had been cut out, left there, and you know we were repairing again. So they had had that in the past, but never as catastrophically as this time because it, w- it was the double whammy of the freezing and the power out. Were the people appreciative you came to help, the, the homeowners and so forth? Oh, my, yeah. Uh, very, very appreciative. There were those that we worked with who were believers. We were able to pray with them. We were able to pray with a number of folks, even who were not believers. Just tremendous appreciation and thanks. Uh, we First couple of days, we were in a couple of Hispanic mobile home parks, and uh, some of them, uh, th- their situation was very, very um, meager, very, very serious, just, norm- just normally. And... Um, they uh, really appreciate it because their ability to get a plumber. The situation there in Austin was, you know, the plumbers are so backlogged that it's like three to five months before they can get to people. And so they have turned over their backlog to Water Mission to begin to work these jobs and to help them out. Whereas the benefit is that Water Mission comes in, our labor is free, materials are free. So we go into a house, make repairs and go, and these people have not been are not obligated to anybody. So that is a greater blessing for when we're able to help those who are needy and elderly uh, and get them back in water. And to help people perhaps understand the situation even even better, people could not use the restroom as they're used to and also get fresh water, right? Yep, yep. Uh, hydration and hygiene are the two most important things with water. And uh, life... Life depends uh, depends on water for those two very things, and when you don't have those, things begin to break down very fast. And the one apartment complex that we were in, people were coming down and bringing pots and pans from their kitchen to the to the community pool there at the complex, and just scooping water out of the pool to go back and flush their toilets. You know, as far as cleanliness, some some people just had not had showers for two weeks or three weeks, and they you know they'd take a little sponge bath here and there where they could get water. But it was it was it was very, very tenuous. Those that were more accustomed to having nice things in their home in their apartment, they had friends elsewhere in the city. They would travel great distances to go take a shower, then come back to their place, that kind of thing. But there were those who were just who just did did, did not have the mobility, and they just were just pretty much trapped in their situation. And for us to show up and give them water was like, you know, a godsend. Well, literally, it was, and your faith, yes. of course, played a, a major role in this. Uh, you know, as a Christian, how do you look at doing something like this? I mean, just out of nowhere, twelve hundred miles. You know, tell me about your heart for this. Back in, um, it starts back in 1996. We uh, took a position with Cedarville University, and I was a licensed plumber back in Pennsylvania. I had a business, we had a farm, we had rental properties. And we sold it all and shut down the business to come out to work at Cedarville University. Up until then, I had never been involved in any kind of mission work with my skill. And uh, Cedarville's, Cedarville's goal was that every faculty, every staff member, every student, they wanted them to go on a missions trip at least once during their tenure there. And um, 
in 2005, there was a group of engineering professors that took some that were taking engineering students to Liberia, Africa, West Africa. They wanted to do a plumbing project, and they did not know exactly how to get it done. So I sat with them and advised them uh, on what they would need to do, the materials and so forth, and the procedure to do it. Um, a few years later, when they went again, uh, the professor could not go, and he says, Paul, it's your turn. And that was the first time I'd ever been that far away from home, and I was very hesitant. And my wife said to me after a while, she says, you know, she says, honey, I think you need to go. And the Lord used that just to open my eyes to using my skill as a real means of showing the love of Christ. And um, after that, I went four more times, and my wife was able to accompany me twice, and so um, when this position, this situation here in, in Austin came up, I knew immediately, I've got the skill, I've got the time, it's in my country, I can be mobile. And uh, my wife was able to take off two weeks of her vacation time, and we just went. And we met, we, yeah, now Water Mission, I met them in Africa. That's my con- contact with Water Mission. I met them over there internationally doing some work at a mission compound on the western coast of uh, Liberia. And um, I was very impressed by them and by their, their engineers that I worked with. And um, so when I saw this situation domestically or nationally here in our country, uh, I just thought I would love to be involved with them. And I, I imagine folks were very glad to see you come. Oh, yeah. My son and I, uh, we, were the first two, we were the first two there. Again, this thing happened quickly. It fell together quickly. There wasn't time to... You know, to to have a month a month of planning and everything else. I mean, the need was great. Water, no water. We need to help these people. Let's respond. And our church got behind us. Uh, Grace Baptist in Cedarville. The university got behind us. Uh, people were bringing gifts in to my wife's office and dropping them off. And people were dropping them off at our house. And uh, we we went to uh, Austin, fully funded. All the materials paid for, and our expenses paid for, and it was just like – I mean my my mind was whirling like, I can't believe this has fallen together this fast. The Lord has definitely uh, placed his blessing on this, and it was, just, it was just a real blessing to go knowing that not only were people praying, but people had already provided the means for us to do it. All right, Paul. Can I uh, talk to Diane, your wife, now? You bet. Here she is. Thank you. Hi, Richard. Hi, Diane. So you were on this mission as well, and uh, it sounds like you were one of the chief encouragers. What was it like for you down there? <laughs> I really enjoy going and working with Paul. We have uh, been married for almost 53 years, and we do a lot together. We have rentals, and so we like working together. And originally I was not going. The friend who first brought up the conversation was going to go with him. But he had had shoulder surgery, and his wife said, you can't go. You have not got enough range of motion. So the guys at work said, I should go. My family said, you should go. So I just said, okay. My boss was very gracious to say I could take two weeks of vacation and go with Paul. So I did find being an encourager. And there's something about having somebody that is right there when he needs a tool. I sure learned a lot of the names of all the tools. Sometimes he'd send me for a mini cutter and I'd grab the wrong one. But 
just to have somebody or when the guys were under the trailers that you would be listening because they would be watching and somebody else would turn the water back on, but you can't hear. So you have to relay messages. And it, it was it's it was wonderful to be part of the team and seeing the projects come together as they would fix the pipes. And then it was also one time was discouraging. It was a very it was in the first day or second day we were in a trailer park. The thin plumbers had to slide under because it was not uh, very far from the ground. It was it wasn't good for anybody with a normal size. But so they fixed a pipe. Then they put the water on. Then they fixed another leak. And then they would, we were all watching for where the leaks were. They must have fixed four or five leaks. Then they hit galvanized pipe. And none of our trucks, because they sent us in teams, none of our trucks. There was several other trucks with us. None of us had galvanized or the pipe threading equipment to make a, a patch. So we had to stop, and at that point, they said, if nothing else, please give them water to their spigot, outside faucet. And so they did. So that was discouraging because the men had worked so hard under the trailer, and then we had to come that we could not finish. But the people were still so thankful that at least now they could walk out and get good water right outside their house. As you and Paul wrapped things up and and drove back to Ohio, what were you guys talking about? You know, uh, there had to be a lot of stories and a lot of, you know, thoughts going through your mind about your mission and about God and so forth. Uh, Can you kind of, you know, share your your feelings driving back? Well, when we left Austin, we left a little earlier than we planned, not because we didn't want to stay, but we also had a grandson at Laterno. So we wanted to stop and see him. And it was his father who had joined us for the very first week. And we shared a lot even with him of how the Lord blessed that people just seemed to appreciate so much. And we did talk about meeting so many people. And we we got to pray with anyone that we asked. They offered, they wanted us to pray with them, and they would often, we would reach out and hold their hands. And it was just so special how God has his people. And sometimes we know we may be only planting a seed, showing love, but we're doing it in Jesus' name. And it was it was a blessing to have been there and to just be with people that, that, seemed so needy because you walk in somebody's house and you know it must be rough. They haven't had water for weeks. And the sweet lady, she was 94. Uh, Paul and the other plumber that we were were working with, they almost replumbed her whole house. It was the hot water line because sometimes one line would freeze and the other would not. So they cut open the floor. They ran new lines by the bathroom sink. They got her water. We got to pray with her. And when Paul came in and told her that she would have hot water tonight, her first response was, was hallelujah. I get to take a hot shower tonight. 94 years old, living on her own, a sweet, sweet lady. 
And uh, we were just thankful that we could be there and uh, share. There was one other situation that was the third day or second day down there of our first week. And we were at a trailer park. And when there's only Spanish speaking, you have no way of communicating. So this one lady would, would help us interpret to the other t- tenants that were needy. And we went by her house. We were talking, and she looked at Paul and said, her toilet had split. Would he be able to install it for her? And Paul said yes. So he went in, and they got some. They had to run a new a line for the water, and they got the toilet installed. And we went outside, and as we were leaving, she just kept thanking us. And she said, the night before, she'd met with her prayer partner, and her prayer partner said to her, I see angels, guardian angels coming to see you. And she looked at us and started calling us the guardian angels. And I said, no, we're not angels, but you did the right thing. You prayed and God sent people to help us. And we are so thankful that we could be there to help you. And she hugged us and we prayed with her. Sounds like quite an experience. Diane and Paul, I thank you both for talking with us. Okay, I'm going to give it back to Paul. Okay, thank you. You know, I was was thinking as Diane was talking, uh, one of the things that we talked about as we traveled home was the friendships that we had made. It is interesting, you know, you travel from all over the nation. Plumbers Without Borders uh, has contacts with plumbers all over the U.S. and internationally. In fact, they had a plumber in Norway that offered to come. Uh, he, I don't think he was coming, but they, but he had he had seen the notice, and he said, "I'm ready to come." But we we worked. I worked exclusively, pretty much, with a plumber out of uh, Mammoth, California. His name was Phil Heigard, and he has a plumbing business up there at 5,000 feet. And he said, he said, "I I live at 5,000 feet. I know a little bit about frozen pipes." But uh, he and his wife Kathy were such a blessing, and uh, he he sent me a text. Uh, yesterday, and this is a, this is a little bit about what what happens when you meet someone who's a total stranger and you work together. He said, it "Was great to be with you. Seems like we were friends after five minutes, good friends after 24 hours, and old friends after 48 hours. Keep in touch. Blessings, Phil and Kathy." And uh, it was just so neat to just see diverse people from all over the U.S. who had a common purpose and a common heart. And we could meet together in the morning. We could pray together in the morning. And everybody would just say amen and then just hit the road and go to our tasks. Wow. Sounds like an experience. Very much so. 